Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rooted. This is Kayla here to tell you more about our upcoming season three, focusing on mental health awareness. Um, but first, just to recap, in our first season, we set out to create a space to feature stories of resilience. In our second season, we shifted to talking about community and the ways in which we can contribute to, care for, conserve, and connect with the community. This season, we are talking about mental health awareness and the ways in which students, faculty, and staff at Boston College are making mental health a priority. We hope that this podcast can be useful for BC undergraduate students, so this season we chose to interview students to ensure that their voices and experiences are at the center of the conversation. Based on our conversations with those students, we wanted to hear how administrators are responding and meeting the call to action on campus. By the end of this season, we hope that you will be able to identify with some of what is discussed, have a better understanding of how campus leaders at BC are addressing mental health, and start to think more globally about the conversation around mental health and how BC students can contribute to that conversation even after graduation. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rooted. My name is Franny Hess. I'm Kayla Powers. And I'm Tucker Meijer, and today kicks off season three of Rooted, Rooted in Mental Health. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Lubin Benjamin and Megan Heckelman. For our listeners, Lubin is UGBC president, a senior CSOM student, and has been involved in the AHANA Leadership Council, Campus Ministry, and Student Admissions Program. Megan is a sophomore student in Lynch studying Applied Psychology and Human Development and is the Director of Student Initiatives with UGBC. Megan spearheaded the effort to bring Victoria Garrick-Brown, influencer and motivational speaker who raises awareness about mental health to campus this October. Lubins and Megan, uh, we invited you both on because as students and student leaders, you both have so much wisdom to offer us uh, about the conversation around mental health and mental health awareness among the student body. Um, And we recognize that you both have been working so hard this semester already to work with those student groups and administrators on campus to make this um, conversation more well known, maybe perhaps less stigmatized, and also really challenging each one of us to uh, take a look at the way in which mental health impacts our campus today. Um, And really, in other words, you have your finger on the pulse of like, what is going on here? Um, So we have a few questions for you about mental health and mental health awareness here at Boston College. Um, But our first question for you, and maybe we'll start with Megan here, is what drew each of you to be part of your GBC? And then tell us a little bit more about like your role on campus platform and um, how you see that role on campus. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having us. Thrilled to be here today. As the director of student initiatives, what I do is basically run issue-driven campaigns, programming, and events to benefit students. So I got involved in UGBC last year as a freshman because I was involved in student government in high school and was really passionate about it. Um, And since then, it's given me a really great opportunity to connect better with different offices on campus, meet new people, um, and things like that. And I think in my role 
there's a lot of tabling and events that like directly face the students. It's a lot of front facing work, which has been super exciting and has allowed me to have that pulse on the student body, like you were saying. Yeah, I think for me, when I joined UGBC, I was one looking for a chance to develop my capabilities as a leader, but at the same time, I was looking for a space where I could advocate for the community that I was a part of. And I think UGBC was such a great vehicle to do that. And I stayed in UGBC, I guess, all the way until my senior year, more than I would have thought I would initially in my freshman year, but I really grew to love the role and believe in the work that we do day in, day out to advocate for students. I think my role this year as president is different than what I've done before. I am directly in charge of being that link to that last link from students to administrators uh, day in, day out. I also have to be a model for how to be a student at Boston College and also simultaneously create a spirit of advocacy within the entire student government as well. So it's been a long year thus far, even though it's only November, <laughs> but we love the work that we do. Yeah, we know how hard you both work, so thank you so much for doing what you do too. Yeah, we're so grateful that you guys are willing to be advocates on this campus. Um, and we were hoping that since you do have such a pulse and an intimate connection with students, being that, that you are students as well, um, along with leaders, um, we were hoping you guys could speak to what are the most common mental health challenges that you observe on campus? That's a tough question. I would say um, one thing definitely is burnout because it's such a tough academic school, the coursework is rigorous, and it seems like if you're not super involved here, you're in the minority. Everyone is doing something all the time, going places, doing things, and it's just a lot happening at once, which I think can be overwhelming. Um, and academics obviously would lead to that burnout. I also think that anxiety is definitely in the air. Um, that's just how I feel from my interactions with students. Constantly going and doing means that oftentimes we're constantly worrying about what's next, you know, scrolling on LinkedIn and seeing our classmates achieving all of these different things, committing to these internships and X, Y, and Z, which I think puts a lot of pressure on students um, and finding ways to cope with that isn't always easy. I think another, <clears throat> I think another issue that I see, another mental health issue that I see with our student body is there's still this great sense of fatigue coming out of the pandemic. Um, students still aren't up to that same quick hustle and bustle that we were before. And who's to say that hustle and bustle was healthy mm -hmm. in the first place, I think we're at a juncture where it's almost as if our two models here at BC kind of conflict with each other um, when they're supposed to go coincide with each other. One being pure personalities, care of the whole person, the other being ever to excel. Mm -hmm. To Megan's point, you want to ever, you want to have that model of ever to excel to be the best that you can and always strive for excellence. But at that same time, you have to provide yourself that care. Um, and sometimes it feels like you have to sacrifice one or the other with a lot of students here on campus. So. It's been a, those are the two main issues I feel like we're trying to address. Yeah. So would you say like that excellence though does include the mental health? Like does excellence have to be, you know, you put care personalis right. on one end of the spectrum and ever to excel on the other. Do they have to be on either no, side? No, I don't. I think they could be one of the same. I think they should be one of the same. But I feel like 
now as to body it feels like they feel so separate with the way that we operate yeah what do you think yeah i would say you know it's that surviving versus thriving kind mm -hmm. of thing you know getting by and doing all of your work and going to that meeting on a wednesday night after you had a whole day and paper due so many things on the table um i think that sometimes it's hard to take a step back and think about how you're doing as a person as the human being and not just the student the friend the roommate the daughter who hasn't called her mom in a week because she's had so much on her plate um i think that i would agree with lubins that those two things are on different ends of the spectrum right now but one you know cura personalis can't exist without or i would say that's okay i think that the ever to excel motto can't really exist without cura personalis because if you're not taking care of yourself you can't possibly thrive and excel in the right. way that i think our university envisions for us do you feel like students are be are aware of that or becoming more aware of that or given the opportunity to know that these two don't have to be mutually exclusive i think students are becoming more aware i think mental health in general has become such a major topic for our generation and on the college campus i can't tell if it's because we've really entered the space this year in ugbc that i've seen a lot more students talk about it but i think it can be effects on another one of the effects of coming out of the pandemic but really taking care of your mental and see how that affects your own day to day i think that conversation is really growing uh, at this university and at large mm. i'm curious when you all are sort of describing this narrative of burnout anxiety pandemic fatigue um, which voices are the loudest at bc in saying that this narrative is a problem and the voices that are loudest in maybe saying um that the i'm trying to think of how, how to how to ask this i guess well let me back up so when you think about like everything that you're describing burnout anxiety pandemic fatigue whose voices are the loudest in saying that that narrative is present or saying that that narrative is not present I would say, you know, as people, as students, but as people more broadly, we speak from our experiences. So if you're someone that has experienced or someone you love has experienced a mental health struggle at some point in your life, you're going to be louder. Um, but I guess not necessarily because I hate myself. I need to back up. Okay. I think that as students and as people more broadly, we speak from our experiences. So if you have experienced or someone you love has experienced a struggle with mental health at some point throughout your life, yes, you may be louder because you can talk from those experiences. But I think oftentimes you kind of go back into your shell and maybe are reluctant to share because of something like maybe imposter syndrome. We're at this school where it seems like everyone is thriving. And I think that's college in general. So sometimes coming out and saying, listen, this is real, I've struggled with this, is tough for people, it's intimidating. But I think that now, you know, we've talked about mental health being so stigmatized, but luckily I think that our generation is kind of leading the charge in saying this exists. I think that's the bottom line that we have to acknowledge before moving forward and addressing the problem that 
yes, this exists. It affects so many of us. And then pivot to what can we actually do about it on college campuses? Yeah, I think just as in the nature of being students, your ears always to the ground to see what students are saying, what students are feeling. And I think now more than a time than ever, we have the terms to identify those things that we have been saying for such a long time. Like, say I'm burnt out, like, is it burnt out? Or are you really feeling anxious in this moment? Or like, is it just is it another form of mental health that you need to take care of? Like these terms were wide used that long ago. And now that we have those words to define what we're going through, it's it's almost been easier to come about and talk about. Because I think at Boston College, you have a lot of meaningful conversations, whether that be in a classroom or on a retreat. Like you have these conversations often, often, but to have the terms to clearly define what you're going through, I think it's made a huge difference on how we start to talk and have that conversation. I totally agree. I think that having that mental health vocabulary as kind of a foundation has made our generation more ready, it seems, to come face to face with the struggles and think about how we can combat them. Where do you think the vocabulary came from? I think social media is huge um, for our generation, especially TV shows, movies, but more so just Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, social media that we use every second of every day. Um, and even celebrities that, or you know, professional athletes that have come out and shared their stories, I think social media is really conducive to that storytelling, especially from the influencers and people that we look up to. If you think about, you know, an influencer didn't exist 10 years ago, but now because of social media, those people I think have given us the terms and in sharing their stories has made us a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more knowledgeable about mental health and what it is and is not and what those challenges actually really look like. Mm-hmm. Well, thinking about you working so hard to bring Victoria Garrick Brown onto our campus, who is has, I think, <laughs> a strong presence on social media Definitely. and in people's lives, how do you feel like... Curious to hear both of your standpoints, but how do you feel like bringing that presence even onto campus has changed the way that students have talked about it so far, has added to the vocabulary so far, if at all? Yeah, I think that as an applied psychology major, I was in a class um, actually a couple nights ago and we were talking about mental health. That was the topic that we were on. And the professor was asking, you know, what is BC doing about this? And a student in my class raised her hand and was like, you know, last month, actually, BC brought this social media influencer who talks about mental health to campus. And I thought it was really awesome. And so many people got together. And now my friends and I talk about it. And I went up to her after I was like, that was me. I brought her. Um, She did such a fantastic job. And I think that because she's so close in age to all of us and has been in our shoes like in the last couple of years, that's really important in terms of ushering in a new era of mental health on campus where we can talk about it. Um, And it comes from whether it was BC that put it together or UGBC or CAD or whatever entity did it, it's coming from the leaders on campus. And when the leaders on campus say, look at this, this is important, mental health is real and we care about you guys, I think that sends, you know, echoes on the whole campus, and that's how you kind of start a top-down domino effect. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think when it came to Victoria Garrick and even 
being able to hear her story and the way she opened herself up for other students to empathize with her and like latch into that conversation um, of mental health was really important. And you hear from so many students are able to identify with her because she's closer to Amber age range or she's someone that they follow. And so to bring students to the fold and how maybe before you heard her, you weren't really talking about mental health at BC, but now that you heard here, heard mm-hmm. her here at BC in Robsham Theater with 500 other people who also came to come see her, it makes you show that the conversation is much larger than you, but at the same time, you're able to find your own place within that conversation. Yeah. I think about um, retreat culture on campus and the benefit of you know students being able to go on retreats and oftentimes retreats have witness talks and like that's where you're able to like see yourself in story and integrate transformation and change and so in a sense like I hear you both saying Victoria Garrick was like a witness talk for 500 people about how mental health has impacted her Um, and that shows to me like the importance of sharing stories about mental health whether you are Victoria Garrick Brown or like Lubin's Benjamin or Megan Heckelman or kill like right like all of us like sitting down and having conversation how important that is and it also makes me think about how the narratives and the voices are are the loudest you know come from students come from folks like Victoria Garrick Brown who have these large platforms um, so I guess conversely whose voices do you think are missing from the conversation or maybe more broadly, what perspective or resources um, are maybe not here at BC yet? For sure, I think one thing that's really interesting to note about BC and like maybe it's this year and how we've been advocating for it, but try to find a way to make the conversation about mental health not siloed in different departments, but one that's mm-hmm. cohesive across um, university administration, I think. We want to see that with the quick links to wellness resources that you see outside a lot of advisors' doors now across BC, or just the way that conversation is getting had in campus ministry and how they've been connecting with the Center of Wellness and mm-hmm. bridging that disconnect that was that was even with administrators beforehand. So, um, or even something like how we're working on bringing a mental health tab to the Agora portal, like things like that to make one thing is it's one thing to have people start to have the conversations around campus and other things to start to make institutional changes that then build out the framework where you could have even more of these conversations. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that in terms of voices that maybe aren't heard, you know, the student leaders are, are facing, we're on the front lines of this battle to, you know, make sure that we have adequate mental health resources and that we kind of reshape the culture, but students that maybe aren't in those roles but are going through something and don't have a peer to reach out to or don't feel like making that call to UCS, don't feel like maybe they're worth it, maybe Mm -hmm. they don't know where those resources are. I think that those are voices that should be, you know, amplified, just like student leader voices, and that's kind of something that we talk about, how can we how can we serve the whole BC community? But I think that folks who haven't yet reached out, whether it be to a peer or a professional, um, their voices naturally aren't being heard. One thing that um, I'm kind of left with from the conversation that we had, Megan and us had had before we started recording was, um, you had said 
that sometimes you forget that you're a student. Um, and I, I wonder if you have that same experience. <laughs> because one, I mean, you both are involved in UGBC, obviously, but from when we introduced yourselves, you're, bo you're both involved in so much on campus. So you're booked and busy. Booked yeah. and busy. And uh, so I'm very aware of the responsibility that is on students' shoulders for advocacy and for making change on campus while also holding this position of being a student. And also I think with being a student, there should be an expectation that you will also be cared for here and that it's not entirely on your shoulder. So I'm curious, how do you both make sense of that tension where you are a student who should be cared for, but also a student leader who is advocating for your own care and the support and the care for your peers too? Yeah, I think at least for me, when I think about my role as president or as student body president, student's the first word in that sentence and how it kind of manifests in the way that we go about doing all the work that we do and having it be student-focused, student-centered, because at the end of the day, when we come to meet on that bridge between students and administrators, I'm more on the student side and the administrators more so on the administrator side. And I think at the end of the day, knowing that I can use my own experiences as a student. I can create my own spaces as as a student that I feel safe um, or I feel cared for, whether that be with my one-on-one, -on -one, with my advisor, whether that be in my suite with my roommates who have known me way before I ever did the whole president thing. Um, being able to, yeah, being able, to, being able to go back home to a room where they just see me as Lubin's only, or Lubin's first, rather than present than Lubin's, um, has been really, really healing for me. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would say the same thing about the roommates, especially just being able to go home at the end of the day and take all the different hats off and say, this is me, I had a great day, this is what I did, this is what I accomplished, or, you know, this wasn't my best day, I did poorly on that test, something happened at home, or whatever else it might be. Um, and I think that BC does do a good job and does kind of, does certainly foster this culture of getting deep and getting real. And I think that that's, that's student led, um, but having those peer connections and, you know, my roommates are doing the same thing in cab, doing the same thing at the women's center. So knowing that like, I have a network of people around me that are doing all the same things that I am and are working to excel, but also working to take care of themselves. We kind of take care of each other. And I, that's been instrumental for me. I would say like the first thing I always get asked and like a lot of the meetings that I have with administrators or my advisors are, how are you? What have you been doing for you? That's always the first two questions that they ask um, me before I have it before I go into any meeting, or like we have a real genuine conversation about how we're both feeling before we even head into any sort of meeting. Yeah. yeah. And I hear that's where like the care personalis comes in. Like there are people in your corners who are caring for you so that you can excel, mm -hmm. so that those two don't have to be mutually exclusive. For sure. So I guess jumping off of that question too is, what do you think your role is, what do you think the role of other students is on campus in addressing some of these gaps 
and challenges in mental health that we've kind of like talked about here today? I think one thing that's huge, and I w- I've been reflecting on this lately because of a workshop that I went to, part of a leadership program, just another thing on the schedule. <laughs> um, but I was able, there were some real takeaways about empathy and how to kind of have empathy for yourself in addition to having empathy for others. And the framework was kind of when you come into conflict or you're frustrated or something happened, um, you can judge out, you can judge the situation, you can judge in and kind of be that self-critic that I think many of us at BC are, or you can empathize out, think deeply about the situation or empathize in, think about your thoughts, your feelings, your bodily sensations and how they all connect and what what need you have that's driving you to act a certain way. And I think that just that empathy is the key takeaway there. Not everything is a clinical mental health scenario. A lot of things are more wellness scenarios or peer-to-peer. And I think that, again, empathy is the common denominator there and maybe just it's it's a natural human thing we all have it we all can do it but having maybe empathy training in a way I don't know if that would manifest formally informally if that's something that happens when I go home to my eight man at night but I think that empathy is huge from the students with one another but I think also showing clearly like we kind of did with the Victoria event administrators saying hey we understand we care Mm -hmm. I think is a huge, you know, thing that's going to need to happen if we want to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that in our role as student government, we we have we have the task of one invigorating the student body into the fold of whatever conversations that we're having, but at the same time, they're the ones who also give us a push to have some of those conversations mm-hmm. that we need to have um, as well. So to balance that relationship between us and the students and us. And within ourselves as students, um, it's something that I always think about constantly and I think about the work that we do and the advocacy that we do and why we do the work that we do or why we love the work so much and why we put so much into the work is because we love it. Um, so that just that relationship between students and student leaders and how we really bring people into the fold, even those who are on the margins, I think is the most important thing, at least to me, and to our org, really. Yeah, because you mentioned there are so many people on campus who are struggling with mental health, but who are not in an advocacy role, or who are not speaking up, or maybe don't have the power to raise their voices. And I hear you very much saying, like, there is a responsibility to hear those students, too, right. and, and to empower those students to project their voices to be heard, too. Yeah, It reminds me of my role as an orientation leader this past summer, it's so easy within your orientation group of 11 or so first year students to focus on the students who already seem to have that love for BC already before they even arrived on campus. Mm -hmm. The real work is going to those students who feel like they haven't found their place yet at BC or who feel like they haven't had their voices heard, don't feel like they're quite part of the community. It's really bringing them into the fold. That's the real work um, that we do. And I think that gave a lot of perspective before heading into this role this year. Yeah. What 
are we not asking? Is there anything that's like missing from this conversation today that you feel is important for people to hear, know, for us to know, even as like graduate assistants who are in an office who is focused on health and wellness and mental health and wellness? I think it's just exciting to see where we'll be as a school in two years when you're when you're graduating. It'll probably be a whole different school than like this year when I'm graduating. Uh, the way that we're having these conversations at seemingly an accelerated rate, and I think the way and the direction that our organization's heading, and like being pure, purely advocacy-based, student-centered, uh, I think it's really going to send ripples through the university. Yeah, and I'd just like to commend the Center for Student Wellness, honestly, because sure. they've been such an incredible partner for us this year. And when I had a conversation with Janine Kramer this summer, she had said to me, "Oh, we're we're hiring someone for." an assistant director of mental health role, which I think that mm. says, um, although you guys are kind of tucked away um, <laughs> in the basement of Gasson, I think that it it shows that that's, that's a small step. And like, even if individual organizations and offices are kind of siloed now, I think that everyone is sees that this is a problem and is starting to address it in some way. And if by the time I graduate, we can get on the same page, that's incredible. But I think that the Center for Student Wellness is really leading the charge and having that, you know, the invention of that role really shows that the powers that be do care about us. And, hey, listen, we're working on this day in and day out, just like us as student leaders are. We care about you. We see you. We hear you. Um, and we want to make a, you know, a different experience for you that can help you take care of yourself in the best way possible, whatever you're facing. Yeah. And to build off Megan's point, the idea that there are so many different people across this university who seem to be fiending or really wanting to become a part of this conversation, whether that be uh, Chris Darcy over, mm. used to be in campus ministry, now is in first year experience. He's, he's being able to, he's pulling that, he's trying to get pulled into the conversation. You have the Center for Wellness, obviously. You have Student Affairs who wants to talk about this as well. OSI wants to talk about this as well. So to see all these different advocates and all these different pockets of the university really start to become a part of the conversation i think it's really setting the stage for something really special well i will say that as a plug for later on in the season we are going to be talking to the new hire in the center for student wellness for mental health cassidy gallego so stay tuned for that um, i'm wondering if in the last couple of minutes it might be nice if we could all go around and say one thing that we're doing to take care of ourselves this week. Mm -hmm. Kayla, That's can awesome. we start with you? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I'm hoping to spend some time outside this weekend. I haven't checked the weather to see what that might look like, but hoping to go on a walk or a run or, or something like that. Yeah, I'm the same way. That's where I get my energy going outside. Definitely even this time of year, it gets tougher when the sky is black at 3.30 in the <laughs> afternoon. Um, but this morning I actually went for a res walk, made myself a smoothie. Um, and this weekend I have papers, tests, and things to prepare for before the holiday. But I think I'm going to try to carve out some time to go to the city and maybe walk um, the Charles River Esplanade, one of my favorite places. Mm, I love that. That's huge. Now I might do that. So <laughs> um, outside for sure. But um, Dinner with friends tonight, um, Tucker and Kayla. We're going to dinner. Um, nice. So I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. 
I am going to catch up on my sleep. I am so big on getting my seven or eight hours every single night, no matter what I have to do. Even if I have, like, a paper due, it's going to have to wait for my sleep. Like, I really put sleep first. Um, now it's made such a difference in the way that, like, I wake up or go about my day. I have so much energy now. Um, and I'm also going to brunch on Sunday. So that will be a lot of fun. I'm happy to get my sleep back. Um, also excited for dinner, but um, I also have been hearing a lot about the Love is Blind season three. Yeah, that's what um, And so I have that on my list. So maybe this weekend or this week, um, I'm just going to binge the whole thing. There so, you go. Yeah. Thank you both yeah, so much you. for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having yeah. us. Starting this conversation is so important. And like Lubin said, we have been doing the work and it's tough sometimes, but we do love it. We do it because we love it. Um, and you guys clearly love it too. So it's been a pleasure to be on today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Always.